I'm Tiffany and welcome to my channel. Today's video is a Saw true crime case. It is about a serial killer named Dennis Rader, aka known as the BTK killer. I found his case extremely fascinating a few years ago and I also watched an interview with his daughter and it just made me even more intrigued. So I think you'll really like this one. Now without further ado, let's get into his case. Dennis Rader murdered 10 people in the Wichita, Kansas area from 1974 to 1991, often leaving clues to taunt authorities. Dennis, aka the BTK killer, was born in 1945 in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Dennis went on to live a double life. He was very devoted to his family. He went on to kill 10 people and he got the name BTK killer from bind, torture, kill, and he kind of just gave himself that name and he like announced it in the papers because he loved to taunt authorities. We'll get into that. His crimes originally started in 1974 all the way to 1991 and he stopped doing his crimes for a while. He stopped because his wife gave birth to children so he was busy raising the family so I guess it was very different to hear about this because you hear about most serial killers and they're not able to turn it off. They feel like this insane desire to kill people but Dennis was not like that. He could just turn it off and he was fine. He said for him, we'll get into it, but it was really just sexual fantasies and I guess he could turn it off when he needed to. It was just very weird to hear about and is very just insane. All I can smell is my typewriter. I got this new typewriter. It's from 1933. We gave it a good cleaning. Um, it still works. So, um, it smells. <laughs> I just got it today. So, sorry if I keep making faces while I'm filming this video. But that's when his crimes first occurred, and he probably would have never been caught if he hadn't resurfaced in 2004. Because before then, he did stop to raise his family. But I guess his ego got to him, and he felt like he needed to communicate with the police more, taunt some people, and just be a bad person and do some more horrible crimes to women and then this is what ended up being his downfall and I wonder if he regrets it. He's only had one interview and it was over the phone since his arrest um, but he did have a very open admission of guilt um, to like everybody in the courtroom and you can actually find that on YouTube if you're interested in watching that. He was the oldest of four sons and he seemingly had a very normal childhood. Reportedly, the only weird things he did was he did mess with animals and he talked about that. And supposedly no one else knew but him, but he did say he did have that typical serial killer thing where they like to hurt the animals. This ended up dropping out of college and he joined the U.S. Air Force in the 1960s. After returning to Wichita, he married his wife Paula in 1971 and he worked for an outdoor supply company for about a year. In 1974, he began a lengthy employment with ADT Security Services. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. I know it was back in the day, but yes, Dennis Rader, the BTK killer, he worked for ADT. That's not good at all. It's really bad. And he was also a ex-cop. Way back. So, <sighs> His first murder took place on January 15, 1974. Raider strangled to death four members of the Otero family in their Wichita home. The parents' name were Joseph and Julie, and the two children that were strangled were Joseph and Josephine. I think their names are just so cute. Before leaving, he did steal a watch and a radio. He always took a souvenir and stole something from all of his scenes. It was kind of like his thing, his mark, if you will. He also left semen at the scene, and their 15-year-old son named Charlie found his whole family dead 
when he came home from school. Now, just a few months later in April, on April 4th, 1974, he waited in the apartment of a young woman named Catherine before stabbing her and strangling her when she returned home. Bredo also twice shot her brother Kevin, though he didn't end up surviving. Kevin, the brother who survived, did end up giving a description to police and said that he was an average guy, he had a bush bushy mustache, hard to say, and he had psychotic looking eyes, which 100% accurate. But by the time like this, I don't know if this happened then or if this was later, but he had like an insane bald spot and I wonder if they could see that because if they would have said that, it would be like, that's your dude right there. In October 1974, that's when BTK goes public. Raider placed the letter in the public library book in which he took responsibility for killing the Taros. The letter ended up with the newspaper and the handwriting was really, really bad, but it gave people the police officers an idea of the kind of guy they were looking for back then because this was 1974. In the letter he stated, you probably call me psychotic with sexual perversion hang-up. He warned that he would strike again and that the code words for him were bind, torture them, and kill them. BTK. See that's the letter where he gave himself that name. He just like had this huge ego and his daughter even goes on to state that in an interview. His wife never came out and talked to him. Um, but his daughter did state he has a huge ego and she honestly even, she doesn't talk to him anymore, but when she, after all this happened, she's like, I can't believe anything that comes out of his mouth ever. He just has a huge ego. His next known crime happened in 1977. In March of that year, he tied up and strangled Shirley Vane after locking her children in the bathroom. In December, he strangled Nancy Fox in her home and then called the police to report the homicide. Shortly afterwards, in January 78, Radar sent a poem to a local newspaper about the Vane killing. Several weeks later, he sent a letter to the local television station saying that he was responsible for killing Vane, Fox, and another unknown victim. Now in that letter that he wrote, he also talked about other serial killers that I've talked about before, like Ted Bundy, Son of Sam. It's like he wanted people to talk to him in a way that, where they were like, in the same group. Oh, I hate saying that. It's not high school. It's not the same table, but it's like he really wanted to be very well known with them because everyone knew that these people were historic, huge at this at that time, and even to now today, it's huge. Like I watch Ted Doc Ted Bundy documentaries way too much, an insane amount. So his son was born in 1975 and then his daughter was born in 1978 and then the next year he graduated from the Wichita State University with a degree in administration of justice. After several years without committing a crime, Rader went on to murder his own neighbor on April 27, 1985. Her name was Maureen Hedge and his daughter did know her and was very, very sad when she heard this and she was so freaked out obviously as anyone would be. Her body was found days later on the side of the road. His final victim, Dolores Davis, was taken from her home on January 19, 1991. For the next several years, Dennis would drop off the face of the earth. He was committed to his family life and work during this time and he couldn't continue on with his murderous rampage. He ended up leaving ADT security in the 1980s. 
started working for the Wichita suburb of Park City as a compliance supervisor in 1991. In his new position, he was a stickler for rules, but everyone stated this about him in all of his position. He loved to follow the rules. He was such a stickler of rules. Like, okay, I understand the stickler of rules as in keep your lawn mowed and all this stuff, but he actually went out there with like a ruler and measured people's grass. Um, what the front door? That's crazy. It was known that he also enjoyed this because he loved um, being in control of people, which makes sense. He loves um, having power over his neighbors and power over people of his community, just people in general. So he really actually thrived in this position. It was probably, people probably loved him at this job, honestly. During this time, he was also the leader of his son's Boy Scout troop, and he was the head, yes, the head, the leader, the president, the president of a church. With many stories marking the 30th anniversary of the Otero murders, BKA resurfaced in 2004. Raider sent local media outlets and authorities several letters filled with items related to his crimes including pictures, a word puzzle, and an outline for the BTK story. He also left packages with clues. Like I stated, he loved to taunt authorities. He felt like he would never ever be caught because I guess it's been so long but he felt like he would never be caught and kept taunting the authorities and he was to the point where he actually believed that him and the authorities were friends. Like, he's so gullible to be the guy that he was, but how he was caught was actually by, you know, doing that, by communicating with authorities via the newspaper. So he would communicate with them, oh, this, I did this, and just kinds of crazy things but then he asked the police station hey I want to give you some information can you trace a floppy disk now I don't know if some people will know what a floppy disk is I barely was old enough or am old enough to know what it is but from my understanding you used to be able to put it into a computer just like a CD and you can burn information on it and he asked if that's traceable and they're like no it's fine I think their words were it's fine and he did it like he just believes them and he actually asked them like, that, like what like he's not that bright the authorities got a floppy disk from him and they had a bunch of you know police equipment to be able to try to they wanted to try to get something from this so they put it in the computer and they were actually able to pull up the church because the disc was actually named something else before and it was the church's name and then when they pulled up that then it said the person who was using the computer at the time his name was Dennis but they didn't just rush and go arrest him immediately but they were like yep this is our guy but we need to make sure 110 percent so they ended up watching him 24-7 and they figured out that he drove a Jeep and they started looking at surveillance and his Jeep was in all the surveillance everywhere like from where the killings were, from where the, the church was, he was everywhere. What they did to really cement this case was they already had his DNA, you know, he left semen at all of his crime scenes, but they caught up his daughter's OBGYN, the police did. She was around 20 years old at this time. She was grown when, like, he done raised his kids by this point. And they were like, hey, uh, we need you to, we're gonna take some of her DNA. They took a biopsy and they took some blood work and that's how they matched it to him 
so that they were 100% sure that this was him. That's how they did it. And she stated that this felt like such a violation and and I completely understand because she had no idea. So Radar was arrested on February 25th, 2005 for 10 counts of murder. Many people did not believe it was him for several years. But I feel like that happens with all serial killers. I mean, I get it to a point. When Radar was arrested, he immediately confessed. When As soon as he got to the police station, there he was like, well, I guess you guys got me. That was it. He, he knew he, it was done. His daughter and his family and friends at that time actually begged him not to go through with the trial and that's what he did. He actually listened. His daughter said that she doesn't know if that's because they asked because she felt like what other people said was irrelevant to him. Couldn't get that out. Irrelevant to him or because he really just didn't want to put people through it and it was just too much because he knew he was caught. But he did not go through with the trial but he did admit all of his crimes on like stand at the courthouse like I stated earlier. But yes, he described the gruesome events without any signs of remorse or emotion. Because he committed the crimes before the state's 1994 reinstatement of the death penalty, Raider was sent to El Dorado Correctional Facility to serve his 10 life sentences. Alright guys, that's all for this case. What did you guys think? I thought this one, it doesn't sound very intriguing, but it really is because I find him intriguing in a bad guy but just very intriguing you know how it is but let me know what you think and leave a comment down below with any suggestions i'll link all kinds of information down below like i always do some really good other videos to watch of other creators because there is non-stop information on this guy but anyway thank you guys so much for watching i'll see you guys next time bye